Welcome, Wheaton Bible Church. Would you stand with us? Let's sing together to the one who called us out of the kingdom of darkness to his light. Let's praise his name today.
Lord, we have victory in Jesus. In his name, we gather today. All glory is yours. We are happy to be together. Amen. Welcome, Wheaton Bible Church. Welcome to everyone who's watching online and joining us today. Uh, it's a joy to worship together. It's so good to see your faces, to hear your voices, worshiping the Lord. Um, and I'm just going to tell you, the first time we came together after uh, not being here for a long time, what felt like years, um, it was so encouraging to hear just the energy in the room and people so excited uh, to be here singing. Uh, and what an encouragement it is to one another to hear each other singing, to watch each other lifting our hands to the Lord, bringing our hearts to Him. And I pray that we wouldn't lose that, that we will not lose that as a church, that we would have uh, all seven days, six days before we come together, just a, an expectation uh, to be here. What we do here is important. What we do here is our joy. We were made for this, to be in community, to sing to the Lamb who was slain, to the Lord who made us, to worship together, to hear His Word, to respond to Him. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our affections. So come before Him today. Bring your heart to Him. Worship Him with all your being. Lord, you are worthy of our songs. We live in your promises, and you always do what you say. And you have promised us that we are never forsaken, we are never alone. You will finish what you've started. So we trust you, even in the desert. Whatever we are going through today or this week, we trust you. So we sing this in faith.
25 says to you O Lord I lift up my soul O my God in you I trust let me not be put to shame let not my enemies exalt over me indeed none who wait for you shall be put to shame they shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous make me to know your ways O Lord teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will instruct in the way he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Yes, Lord. You are the Lord, our God. As we just sang, never failing, ever faithful. The God of the universe, over all things sovereign, all is in your hands. Yet, Lord, you call us your children. You call us friends and you offer your friendship to sinners through the blood of Jesus. Oh Lord, what a treasure. You walk with us always, in every season. I 
what we've just saying, I want to ask us to do something. Um, if you are here in the room, I want to just ask for you to lift your hands like this as we pray. And if you're at home, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. And so, Father, we as a community raise our hands in praise and in surrender to your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your friendship, your love. We surrender this morning together, side by side, wherever we are worshiping. And we surrender to you because you are king and we are not. And so in this posture of worship, Lord, 
I ask that you would invade our, our homes, invade the space that we worship in right here and have your way. Remove any wall that we may have to worship or to your word. And I pray in this act of surrender that you would make us more alive, more alive in you today than we were yesterday. May the vision of you be more clear today than yesterday. And so we surrender. And it's your name I pray. Amen. You may have a seat. Good morning. My name is Molly and I'm the Community Engagement Manager for Rise Against Hunger Chicago location. Rise Against Hunger is growing a global movement to end hunger by empowering communities, nourishing lives, and responding to emergencies. From the implementation of sustainable community development projects to our meal packaging programs, we strive to make an impact on hunger by building resilience, self-sufficiency, and empowerment in communities worldwide. We're so excited for CareFest this year because some of you will be joining Rise Against Hunger to package over 10,000 meals for communities facing food insecurity. When you serve organizations like ours through CareFest, you have an opportunity to fulfill Jesus' command to serve one another. If you haven't yet signed up for a team, you can go to wheatonbible.org carefest to find a project that's right for you. All projects have COVID precautions in place to provide a safe serving environment. We can't wait to see you there on August 8th. Hey Wheaton Bible, I'm Irving Ruiz. I'm the middle school program coordinator and I serve here in our Puente del Pueblo ministry. Each year, the campuses of Wheaton Bible partner to create the Puente del Pueblo summer program. This program helps students succeed in school, learn important life skills, and have a lot of fun. This year, the program has been even more essential for many families that have lost wages or have been affected by COVID-19. Each day, more than 50 students are picked up and bused to an enriching day of learning and fun at the church. Since COVID-19 transitioned students to e-learning, students have missed being around their friends and teachers. With the summer program, students are able to regain those connections with their friends, and we have seen numerous students rise up to be leaders in and out of the classroom. Peer-to-peer -peer relationships, academics, and faith development have all been key points of learning for all of our students at the Puente Summer Program. Through all your generosity, ministries like this can thrive and support our local community. If you're able, would you take a moment to prayfully consider giving or setting up a reoccurring gift to support ministry through Wheaton Bible? You can easily do this by texting Wheaton Bible to 77977, visiting our website at wheatonbible.org give, or mailing a check to the church office. Thank you for being a partner in ministry here, and thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have a great week. Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see your masked faces uh, here this morning. So good to see you. You look good in a mask, so don't worry about it. And if you are worshiping with us at home, thanks for joining us in worship today. I think it's going to be a great day as we've just spent some incredible time worshiping our risen Savior. So my name is Phil Shields. I'm one of the teaching pastors here 
And it is uh, my opportunity here today to get to bring the Word of God to us. And so I want to invite you um, to stand for the reading of God's Word if you're in the building with us. And if you're at home, I want to invite you to stand as well out of reverence for this Word. And so as we have been uh, the past several weeks, we are in the book of Proverbs And so we're going to be looking at several different Proverbs today. You're going to want to keep uh, your Bible ready to kind of switch up. But we're going to look at five Proverbs here right at the beginning. And so read along with me. It says, uh, and if we can go back here, one. Proverbs 27.1. I do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Then lastly, Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So Father, I ask that you would move in our hearts and our minds. May we be open to what your word says. Lord, I pray that the words that come from my mouth are your words. Remove anything from me that would hinder that. I pray, Lord, that anything that uh, a distraction or pridefulness or whatever it may be that's in any of us here this morning, please take that away so that our ears are fully attentive to what you want to say and what you want to do. We love you. It's your name I pray. Amen. You may have a seat. So we are still in this series in Proverbs, and uh, we are going to be looking at the subject of friendship this morning. So as I was studying all these different Proverbs speaking to friendship, I believe that there is a principle that we need to kind of apply into our life and to, to take in as we reflect on the friendships we have or maybe the friendships we don't have and start looking at saying, how does this fit into my life. And so the principle is simply this, the seasons of life are greatly impacted by choosing and being a wise friend. The seasons of life, all the highs and all the lows are going to be greatly impacted by choosing and being a wise friend. This plays out in a variety of ways. I don't know about you, but I love Epic stories, epic movies, just incredible movies uh, from past up to now. And whenever you look at what makes up one of these incredible storylines, what you end up seeing is that there is this main character that is going to be dealing with some tragedy or challenge in their life. This challenge comes in and it invades uh, everything that's happening around them. And in order for them to kind of take this journey and make their way through that challenge, they end up having a friend next to them. They need a friend to make it through uh, the challenges that lie ahead. 
Think about some of the the movies or the storylines that you have taken in. One of the classics, Toy Story. You might not think it's a classic, but if you ask a lot of kids, you're going to realize it's a classic, okay? And so in the story, the first movie, it's such an incredible story that takes place there that they ended up making like three others. But what you find is the character of Woody and Buzz. They come together in the storyline, and the challenge or the, the thing that is going to be invading the space is that their, uh, their child that they are the toy of, Andy, is going to end up needing uh, these toys to love him and to, to spend time with him, and they want Andy's attention, and so they face this challenge. And Woody and Buzz are at odds at the beginning. But by the end of the movie, you end up hearing this song, You Got a Friend in Me, played. And anytime I hear that song, I instantly picture Woody and Buzz. And that they're together, and they have this friendship, and it's come together. There's other classics. If you go all the way back, you'll realize that Bambi had Thumper. In fact, Thor had Hulk. You end up going through all these storylines, and then there's this incredible uh, trilogy of, of books that became a movie known as The Lord of the Rings. In The Lord of the Rings, you see a friendship between Sam and Frodo that in many ways mirrors the friendship of Jonathan and David in the scriptures. There's this scene where they are uh, they're having to leave the Shire to go destroy the ring that Frodo has in his uh, possession. And as they are, are getting ready to leave, Frodo ends up looking at his friend, his other hobbit friend, uh, Sam, and he ends up saying this. It's going to be very dangerous, Sam. It's already dangerous. Most likely, neither of us We'll come back. And then Sam, Sam looking at Frodo, looking into his face, he ends up responding, if you don't come back, sir, then I shan't. That's certain. Don't you leave him, they said to me. Leave him, I said. I never mean to. I am going with him. If he climbs to the moon and if any of those black riders try to stop him, they'll have Sam Gamgee to reckon with, I said. And then they leave the Shire and they experience some of the scariest scenes that people could face on their way to destroy this ring. See, epic stories are made up of incredibly epic friendships. I mean, great friendships. And so as we dive into God's word, I want us to kind of look at it in in three segments. The segments are like this. We're going to look at the enemies of friendship, and then we're going to look at the redemption of friendship, and then the person of friendship. I thought for this morning we would start with the bad news and try to take it to where we have really, really good news. And so we have enemies of friendship. So let's start there. Whenever we are looking at the enemies of friendship, we're going to have to deal with this, this thought of foolishness. It's a problem, it's, a, and it's an enemy that's going to come in. See, in Proverbs 27.1 that we read just moments ago, it ends up saying that we don't know what our day will bring. 
So for some of us, we're starting off our day today really good. It's been great. Maybe you had a good cup of coffee, and so the day's going well. But we don't know what lies ahead. We don't know what's coming. And when we don't know what we're going to face, what we have to understand is that we are going to experience joy and we're going to experience disappointment. We're going to experience the good choices we make and the bad choices we make. We're going to experience laughter and sometimes tears. And through all of that, we desperately long for someone to be by our side in all those seasons. There is actually something within us that, that is longing for that. Now, for some of you, you are uh, introverts and you're like, I don't know that I really need friendships all that much. And I, in a very loving way, am going to tell you you're wrong. See, the reason I can say that is because when I look at you and you look at me, we have to realize that we are made in the image of God. Go all the way back to Genesis. In the very first pages of the Bible, we end up seeing that God ends up declaring, let us make man in our image. And so we see this relationship of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and they are creating uh, this creation, this mankind in their image. And because of that, we are, we are given this clear view of the first friendship in all of Scripture. The friendship of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And because of that relationship, you are made in that image and you are designed for friendship. You are wired for it. You need it. There is a longing. And that shows up through the hard seasons of life. It, throws, it shows up in the highs where you just want to share some of that with someone else. But we have these enemies of friendship that come in. The first enemy that comes in has to do with foolishness. See, our culture has made friendship so easy that all you have to do is click on someone and they become your friend. And we're drawn to that, thinking, hey, more friends that we have. And it leads us to realizing that friendship is really weak when we just base it off the way the culture depicts it. Friendship is supposed to be deep, and yet in that, there's this battle that's going on. And so the Proverbs end up revealing what some of those problems are. Look at what Proverbs 13 says. It says, a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning from evil. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. See, knowing that we don't control our days. We don't know what's coming. We need to surround ourselves with wise friendships. Wise friendships that are going to run with us and that are going to bring hope in the storms of life. But the reality is, is that there are people that have this subject of foolishness all around them. It means that if you have foolish friends in the midst of the storm, they are likely not going to turn you to hope. They might actually just focus on themselves. And so the writer ends up telling us that those who walk with, uh, with these foolishness have the potential to become fools. 
Who you surround yourself with are, are going to be the people that you become. And fools, when the writer says this, fools are drawn to sin, not to truth. And so there are people that are not going to be drawn towards holiness. And if you are surrounding yourself with those types of people, they are an enemy to the friendship that you desperately want. And so let me ask you, when you think of the friendships you have, are they wise? Maybe more pointedly, are you a wise friend or are you a foolish friend? Who are you turning towards holiness or are you turning them towards sin? See, an enemy of friendship is going to be one that surrounds uh, themselves with fools. Proverbs goes on and it reveals that there's two other ways that this takes place. That this, these enemies come in. The, the first one has to do with anger. In Proverbs 22, it says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. So here's the deal. If we have been looking at the book of Proverbs all these weeks, and we understand that these are wise sayings for us to take in to our life, to apply to our life, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you met a really angry person and walked away going, they are one of the wisest people I've ever met? I don't think any of us would say that. When you see an angry person, you think, there's something wrong there. And the the writer here is saying that we have to be really careful about the type of people that we become and the type of people we surround ourselves with. And so anger is this foolishness that comes in. And the writer ends up presenting this as a command, not as like an option. The writer is saying, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. So what's a hot-tempered person? It's the person that is always on this simmer, and it's the littlest thing that can make them go to a boil. It's the the person that, like any little thing, is going to make them angry. Or they're constantly complaining about something. It's this person that, whenever they're looking at it, they don't even realize how angry they are. Because they're hot-tempered. They're easily offended, they're bitter, and they are people that are really, really hard to befriend. In fact, if you are friends with a hot-tempered person, eventually that anger is going to turn on you. Now, that being said, are you an angry person? If anger is something that you're dealing with inside, you have to understand that that the word of God is saying, don't be friends with you. And so today you need to surrender that anger to Jesus Christ. Foolishness comes in. Anger isn't far behind. And then we end up uh, seeing this last one in Proverbs 16. The next enemy has to do with conflict and gossip. In Proverbs 16, it says a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Here's what I want you to know is that 
foolish people are insecure people. Foolish people are really struggling with their identity. And so when people struggle with their identity, all they can do to try to make them feel better themselves is that they're going to stir up conflict so that they look better. And in the end, they're going to start talking about and gossiping about all these situations, circumstances, and people around them. If you end up making your friend with some uh, person that has conflict and gossip as a part of their life, eventually that gossip is going to be about you. And what does it do? It ends up separating you from friendship. The other part of it is, if you are the one that is stirring up the conflict and the gossip, you have to understand, you might be saying, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. But if you're stirring all this up, what you are doing is you are not reflecting the Savior that you are supposed to love. So the enemy of friendship is going to be foolishness, it's going to be anger, it's going to be gossip, and it's going to want to totally tear this down. And the reason this is there is because every day you wake up, you might not know what's to come, but you have to know that there is an enemy that wants to come after you. He will use either you or others in your life to destroy you. Now, here's the beauty of it. Those are the enemies. That's the problem. That's the bad news. Now, there's some really, really good news when you look at Scripture. And that has to do with the redemption of friendship. The redemption of friendship comes in, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I'm going to take us through a couple Proverbs here. And I want you to see four areas that really make godly, deep friendships. And as we look at them, I want you to ask yourself, is this in me? Is this what I represent? Or is this something that I am surrounding myself with? So the first uh, aspect of this has to do with reliability. Now the reason I say that is because uh, the Bible is very clear that friendship is a deeply spiritual thing. God created friendship. It's based off of redemption, and it has great impact on all eternity. And so since it has that impact, we have to understand that there has to be reliability in friendship. In Proverbs 18.24, it says this, One who has, an un, who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So this is what happens. Our culture says that we should be getting more and more friends on social media. I mean, friends can also be followers, and so we want to click and click, and we want to grow this this pool of people around us and build that. We also think this, and here's the, the reality of it, is that we have some really great ministries in our church. I love our adult communities that meet on Sundays They are, you know, these uh, mid-sized to large groups that gather and they welcome people in and, and they're together and you might look at your entire adult community and go, these are my friends. Might be part of our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our care ministry, or our life groups where you're gonna say, these are like my friends. This is where my friendships are. And even though those are all really, really good, What this verse is telling us 
is that one who has unreliable friends, meaning many, soon comes to ruin because the reality is you cannot go deep with a large amount of people. You can have good friends that are, you know, people that you know semi-well, but there are going to be seasons in your life where you need depth. We can be good with many, but we can only be intimate with a few. Throughout Scripture, uh, it's written that God ends up saying, or Jesus ends up saying this phrase, I am with you. I am with you. Meaning, side by side, you can rely on me. It's the heartbeat of God reflecting this so that we become this for one another. And because we're created in this image of God, it means that we have great meaning, but it also means that we are limited. The reason I say that is because you and I cannot be omnipresent. I can't be with 15 people all at the same time. I'm limited. I I can't do that. And so we can't be omnipresent with all of our friends on Facebook and our friends on Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or whatever else is out there. We just can't do it. And so we're limited. And so we have to understand that reliability means exactly what this verse says. But there is a friend, not friends, friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, deep friendships come in the single-digit format. They come in the handful format. You cannot be deep friends with 15 people, but you can be deep friends with a few. Because in order to stick close, the writer is referring to walking shoulder to shoulder, side by side, in the highs of life and in the lows of life. And to be honest, we don't want to share all the lows of life with many people. But we need those reliable people. See, reliability doesn't focus on the circumstances. It focuses on the needs of the individual. So when you're in the depth with someone, they aren't focused on the circumstance that's happening. They are focused on what is it that you exactly need in that moment. That's why when you go to the Lord of the Rings, if Sam was focused on the circumstances, he would have run back to the Shire sooner. But he goes all the way to the end. Reliability is saying, I am with you at all times in the midst of every mess. And you can only do that with a few. So who is your reliable friend? Who's counting on you? How are you living out this this biblical principle in the relationships that you have? So there's first reliability, and then the second thing has to do with counsel. So reliability, if you have reliability, then you should be able to go to wise counsel in our friendships. And in Proverbs 27, it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So like I've said, friendship is restrictive because you can't go deep with everyone. And we see this in the life of Jesus. 
See, Jesus had, out of the 12 disciples, he had three that he was incredibly intimate with, that he was incredibly deep with. And so he went from those three, and then he had his 12, who he loved and who he poured into. But he's always had his three. And from the 12, whenever we see this, we end up seeing that he ends up going to the 70, and he builds this group of 70 people that then becomes 144 and then it becomes 500 and he might be going man my Facebook friends I have so many and yet he always goes back to the three always the ones that he deeply loves and it's in that that relationship that he offers this incredible counsel The reason that the three were so important, it's because it's an example to you and me. We need people in our life who are going to be reliable but can offer incredibly wise counsel in the midst of hard circumstances. And what's fascinating is the writer ends up using this word, wounds from a friend. That doesn't seem right because in our culture it says that if a friend wounds you, you should run away and get rid of them. And yet this writer is saying wounds from a friend can be trusted. It's in those moments where it just doesn't feel good to hear something that you weren't originally thinking. You had your plan, you had your, your thought, and you ask your friend, and the whole conversation goes, tell me what you think, and you really want them just to approve what you said, and they end up saying something else that is wise and from the will and word of God, and it hurts. It hurts. See, I have, uh, I have this plant out front. I have managed to kill so many plants at my house. Like, I am horrible at dealing with these things. But I have this, uh, what's called a ground cover. Who knew? And so I have it in the front, and every spring it blooms these incredibly purple flowers. I have a neighbor that came over, and she was talking to me, and, and those, I said, man, it stinks. That, that area is so pretty when those purple flowers are out. And she said, well, you know what you need to do? You need to, those purple flowers, when they close up, you just need to cut across the top. And then, in a little bit of time, they're going to rebloom. Now, it seems weird to me to cut something that is alive at that time and to, to cut it across. But when I do that, all of a sudden, those flowers rebloom. It seems wounding. When you have a friend who comes in and gives you wise counsel, and it's based off the word of God and the will of God. Here's what happens. They cut that. It hurts, but it's so that you rebloom into the beauty of the disciple that God has called you to be. Wounds from a friend can be trusted because it's, it's for the benefit of you or it's for the benefit of the other person that you're bringing wise counsel to. It doesn't seem right. It goes against everything we think. But you can only do that with a few people. In fact, if you're someone that gives a lot of wise counsel to many, you just like being critical. But it's those few that if you're with them, they're going to want you to flourish. So who are you being wise with? 
Who can be that wise counsel in your life? So then the third aspect that we need to see this morning has to do with sharpening. So we have reliability, counsel, now sharpening. And in Proverbs 27, it says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is the verse that every men's ministry in America uses for their men's ministry. But as I look out here, I got to tell you, some of you ladies, you are as strong as iron. This is for all of us. And when we read this and, and look at this, we end up realizing that those that we surround ourselves with impacts who we become. And if we are going to be sharp, we need other people alongside us to bring out that sharpening. So whether you're in junior high or you're in high school or you're in your 90s, wherever we're at in, in growing up, we are always going to be shaped by the people around us. And we're always going to be sharpened by the people around us. And so this verse is telling us you can't go alone because iron gets dull. And if it gets dull, it needs something else to come in and bring back the sharpness. You can't go alone. You need the sharpening of others. You need to be someone that sharpens your friends. And so when we sharpen one another, it means that you're going to ask the really uncomfortable and the really hard questions. And you're going to put it out there. You're going you're to confront some of the false thinking or the false answers that your friend might have or that you might have. You're going to share truth even when it's not asked for. Because you want the flourishing of the other person. Here's the deal. Counsel is offering comfort and wisdom when asked for. And sharpening is like ongoing honesty that's lovingly given each and every day. And walking shoulder to shoulder. Making sure that you and that other person is sharpening one another. And it's not always going to be asked for. There might not even be a circumstance. It just might be a challenge. And so when you, when you see this, it takes time, it takes action, it takes conversations, it takes silence, it takes joy, it takes tears, it takes all of it, and it means you got to pour it all in. So who are you sharpening with the word of God? Who are you uh, sharpening by confessing sin to one another and saying, this is where I have failed and I need to seek forgiveness? How are you being that friend? See, we have to be reliable. We have to offer counsel. We have to be sharpening one another. And then the last thing I want you to see is that there has to be endurance in godly friendship. There has to be endurance. So uh, you go to a wedding and the couple is standing at the front and they take these vows to commit to one another. And the best part is like when you are at a wedding of a, of a really young couple and they're taking those vows, and you've been married for, you know, over 10 years or something, you're like kind of laughing going, they have no clue what they're getting into. I mean, we have no idea what life is going to bring. And yet, they make this commitment, and the reason is because the marriage relationship is hard work. It isn't just about being romantic. It's hard work. And so you take these vows of saying, I do, I commit to that. Well, when you look at scripture and you see biblical friendship, just like marriage needs endurance, we end up seeing that friendship is so spiritual, it also needs endurance. 
You also need friends that are going to run the race. And so in Proverbs 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You have to keep going. It's saying that in the midst of every circumstance, whatever you're going through, I am here with you. I mean, Jonathan in the Old Testament shows this endurance that his own father wanted to kill David, and yet he said, I am enduring, I am committed to you. He was going through every situation with David. Endurance takes the time, and sometimes it means that you're completely annoyed with your friend, but you're going to endure. What are you enduring in? Where's your endurance? I mean, who is going to run the race with you and saying, I'm all in. I'm going to battle through all of it to be there with you. Who are you doing that for? See, let me remind you that we don't know what's going to come, but the seasons of life are greatly impacted by choosing and being a wise friend. And this isn't just for, for, you know, your children that are, are getting these friendships that you're not sure about. This is for all of us no matter what age. So here's what I wanted to share uh, this morning. Um, I have some friends that are sitting in here right now. But I have one that I want you to know, like, this is what it looks like. So I'm going to invite my buddy Jeff up and... Uh, I want you to see this, and I want you to understand that this relationship that we have isn't perfect, but it's, it's what we are pursuing that's important. So Jeff and I have known each other for eight years. I've actually uh, known his wife, Allison, since we were in junior high, so she has all the dirt on me. <laughs> but eight years ago, we started a friendship, and we started... Uh, just spending time together. And then slowly it developed into something else and something else and more time together and other time together. Now, even though I can't stand that he's an Alabama fan and I, there's other things that he annoys me with and I annoy him with, we love each other and we care for one another. In this relationship, there's been those times. I've had to call with tears, saying, Jeff, I need you to come right now. I need you to come and be here because I can't be the father and I can't be uh, the husband that I need to be. Or I've sat across a table from him and I've said, man, I screwed up. Jeff's one of the ones that, even though I have this title, pastor, that he just lets me be like open and, uh, and at times just be a total failure and he wants to breathe uh, fresh air back into me. We celebrate the highs and the lows. The other reality is that we've been on a journey together and so today I'm celebrating that my friend has been 226 days sober. Okay? I celebrate that with him. And so there were times when, when I'm looking at him and I'm loving him and I have to endure just like he endured for me. There's those times when our wives end up calling one of us and like, okay, this is what he did. And we go through it. 
it doesn't mean it's perfect. It just means that we want to be reliable to one another. That there's times that we have to give wives counsel. There's times that those wounds are going to come because we have to say something hard to the other person. But we're committed and we endure. I wanted you to hear this and see this because as I was looking at this subject this week, we were talking and praying and he was praying for this and really the the thing that we want is we want you to have that same thing. We want you to have that individual that's gonna speak truth. So that might mean you need to join a life group and seek a friend. It might mean you need to join women's ministry, men's ministry, wherever it is that you are gaining friendships that can speak truth and love and endure. So we're praying that for you and that this would be a church that is full of deep, deep godly friendships. Amen? Amen. Thanks, bud. So here's the last thing, and I'll, and I'll finish up. This doesn't rely on just Jeff and I's personalities. Because to some degree, our personalities don't mix all the time. The reason we can have that is because of the person of friendship. It's because, G, because God designed us. And in the beginning of Genesis, we see that God decided to stoop down and become a friend to the creation he made. And he would take walks with Adam through the garden. You walk with friends. And then when sin came, instead of running, God endures and he sent his son, the person of friendship, to come and to be not just a a friend, but to be a rescuer and a savior. And so Jesus comes and he turns everything upside down. And in John 15, he ends up saying, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know uh, his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Do you Catch here that your Savior, the person of friendship, doesn't just call you his creation or a servant or as somebody that he has to save. He calls you a friend. So I want to plead with you that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are in need of a friendship, and I want to plead that you would consider the Savior that wants to call you a friend and surrender yourself to him. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, my prayer is is that you would open yourself up to the redemption of friendship that comes through Jesus so that you can be a reflection of Christ to the friends in your life. Because remember, we don't know what's coming. And the seasons of life 
all seasons are greatly impacted by choosing and being a wise friend. And when we are that, we will see God's kingdom expand and be ever-present wherever we go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being the person of friendship. I thank you for loving us. I thank you that you designed friendship knowing that we not only need you, but we need other people around us. So I pray for my friends here. I pray for my friends watching online. I pray, Lord, that we would seek out deep, godly friendships. That we would seek people to speak into our lives. And that because of that, we would become the disciples that you have called us to be. We surrender that to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us and worship the one who reconciled us to himself, to himself through Jesus Christ, who has called us his friends and welcomed us into his family, our Father in heaven. His name is 
Amen. If you've worshiped with us today and you need prayer, I want to encourage you to text the word prayer to 630-260-1600. We want to be praying for you, cover you in those prayers. So take the time to do that before you leave or if you're at home. And as you leave, I want to encourage you to take the step of uh, going online and registering for CareFest, being a part of that, being a part of this community that's going to be reaching out in the coming weeks. So as you leave, may the God of friendship, the person of friendship, fill your life and bring you to friends that you get to walk and journey with. And from that, May more and more people come to know him and the beauty and grace he brings. Wheaton Bible Church, you are sent. Have a great week. Thanks for worshiping with us.